Good morning and welcome to episode 20 of the Beating Around the Bush podcast. Our disclaimer, Beating Around the Bush podcast is an extension of the Beating Around the Bush column that appears weekly in the Carroll Newsletter and are simply my opinions, my observations, and the usual ramblings of an old sports writer. Well, welcome back. Uh, We've had a week off. We didn't do a podcast last week. Hey, busy time of the year with Christmas and holidays, uh, the New Year's, and I was working three days of the uh, point guard Christmas tournament uh, for basketball this that this past week, and we'll talk a little bit maybe about that. If not, we'll talk some more about that uh, next week in our podcast. Uh, but this podcast is titled Year in Review and a Slice of Orange, and we'll explain all of that as we go along because you know, we started this podcast back in August. This is, again, episode 20. So we've been rolling right along with our podcast, and uh, we've enjoyed every minute of it, and I hope you have also. But we want to look back on 2021. And as everyone knows, the last two years, 2020 and 2021, are, are two years that I think a lot of us want to erase from our memory banks because of COVID-19 and the effect that it has had upon sports. And that's what this podcast is about. And, you know, it, it's just been a burr in our side. And uh, it, it's, it's caused a lot of havoc. We're still dealing with it. Uh, it seems like the state of Tennessee, though, knows a little bit more about what they're doing in some other areas because we're just all living our lives, maybe in uh, midst a little danger. But we're not living in in fear, and and, and I kind of like that. We've gone on about our own business, and uh, uh, that's I think that's the way it should have been. But that's just my opinion. But let's wrap up 2021. And I wrote in my column in the newsletter this past week, if you happen to pick up a copy, if you didn't, well, you won't have to now because you can catch up with this podcast. But – I always, and I do this every year in my column, or I try to, I try to list what I thought were maybe five. Sometimes it's been more than that. Uh, It just depends on what kind of year it was. But the top five sports stories in Carroll County for the last year. Of course, last year, 2021, uh, there was actually a lot of things. But uh, at the top of my list was... And I know you Huntington fans are going to maybe cringe a little bit, but that's okay. There are neighbors to the north, and uh, we should we should act differently. I'll be honest with you. We, we should end any animosity we have toward any school that we play against. But the McKenzie Rebels, our football team, and, you know, I'll, I'll say this. I know a lot of people from McKenzie. Randy Thomas is, serves on the Carroll County Sports Hall of Fame with me, and he's a good friend of mine. I think a world of Randy Thomas. The field's named after him over in McKenzie. Yeah, he wears red on Friday nights, but he's a good guy. He really is. And so I, I don't get into that as maybe as much as a lot of other people do, but th- that's got to be the top story. McKenzie Rebels went 14-0 and leading into the state championship game, lost to South Pittsburgh. I was there to see that, and McKenzie was in that game the whole time, came up short, but you know, their second silver ball in the history of their school. They also defeated Hayden for the second year in a row. And that means a lot to those folks up north. It means a lot if we win. 
over McKenzie. So that to me, that had to kind of be the top sports story of the year as far as Carroll County goes, because uh, that that's a tremendous year. Although they didn't win a state championship, that's still a tremendous year by the McKenzie Rebels, and they should be congratulated because that's a good football team, and they're going to be dangerous next year because the nucleus of that football team returns. Uh, all the weapons that they had in Jackson Cassidy, their quarterback, uh, Marquez Taylor, uh, the running back, that's their two best players. Zach Aird, for example, is coming back, one of their leading receivers. Uh, so they're, and, and the McCreary kid at linebacker and at fullback, uh, that's pretty four pretty good pieces of the puzzle uh, coming back next year. Uh, for the McKenzie Rebels. So they're going to be a lot to handle next year. And then when you look at Marquez Taylor, uh, that could have been one of the top stories of the year. Uh, one of the top players in West Tennessee, definitely one of the top players in the state of Tennessee, being recruited by several D1 schools, Tennessee among those that are recruiting him. And uh, he was a finalist uh, for Mr. Football. He stood on the podium with two other people. Of course, he did not win it. Uh, I think the kid from South Pittsburgh actually won the uh, Mr. Football Award, but he, well, no, or could have been Ganaway from Trenton. I done forgot now, but anyway, it's been uh, several weeks since that happened. But uh, that was a good year by Marquez Taylor, and he'll be back uh, next year. My second story uh, that I thought was right up there at the top, and it was a kind of toss-up between this and and number three, but I think it had to be Colton King in a cross-country team. Colton King, uh, he's a junior. Well, he'll be back next year as a senior when cross-country starts back next year, but he's a heck of a cross-country runner. I, I, I don't know how many meets he actually won this past year, but he went to the state, and the whole cross-country team boys went as a team, and I, th I think they finished like 39th or something like that. I, I forget exactly what they finished. They didn't medal, uh, but that, that still was a great effort considering how many teams were there. Uh, and I may be wrong about 30. I don't think it was that far down the line, but maybe 16th. Maybe that's what it was. But anyway, Colton King finished fifth in the state individually, and that was uh, from over 400 runners in the state of Tennessee. So Colton King's got a bright future. He keeps working at it, keeps training. Uh, he'll pay his way through college with his legs. Think about that. Uh, young men, young women that are out there wondering how they're going to get through college, how they're going to pay for things. Colton King sets an example of how uh, it, it's not always football. It's not always basketball or baseball or, or softball or something to that effect, but you can do it in other ways. You can do it academically. There's a lots of ways that you can get yourself through college. Uh, so you just don't have to, but you got to work at it. And that's what Colton King does a tremendous year uh, by Colton King. And uh, you know, nothing but accolades on his part uh, next year ought to be even better. It was also a great year as we talk about number three uh, for basketball in Carroll County. And I kind of combined these two together uh, first of all, the West Carroll War Eagles uh, boys basketball team last year earned a trip to the state tournament. I don't think that's their first ever trip up there. I think they had been up uh, at the state championships uh, one time previous uh, to that, but uh, it was a, that was a fantastic basketball team. 
and I'm not going to get to see them this year because they're not on Huntington's schedule because of the reclassification. And uh, it, it's kind of weird when you think about it, but out of the four county schools that are playing basketball, or five, uh, you can't count Carroll Academy really uh, because uh, they are not really in a district. Uh, but the other four uh, are all in different districts. That's kind of weird, you know, because there's Huntington is kind of central of the county. And, you know, it's no more than 15 miles to each one of these communities. And we're all playing in four different uh, districts. And that don't make any sense to me. But anyway, I don't get to do that. But anyway, West Carroll War Eagles, uh, great season last year. Jalen England, uh, England, I'm sorry. And uh, I know the, the Clark kid, uh, both of the Josh, I think, Josh Clark, uh, two great basketball players. They'll make some noise again this year in Class 1A. And when you look at girls basketball for Carroll County last year, you got to look at the McKenzie Lady Rebels. Uh, the McKenzie Lady Rebels well, had a fantastic season, one of the best basketball teams girls-wise that I've seen around in our area in a long time. Uh, they fell short in the sectional, losing to Loretta. Uh, that cost him a trip to the state tournament or and what well, it may have been the first round of the region or second round of the region. I don't remember which one that was. Now, I think it was the region, to be honest with you, because I ain't doing, for example, won their first round region game over Wayne County and then lost Summertown. So I think it was in the region. But uh, McKenzie Lady Rebels had a great season. Uh, the nucleus of that team is back. Uh, they, they've uh, played Huntington twice this year. We're not in the same district. So we won't see them come tournament time as we have for the last uh, 400 years. But again, I don't have a say in that matter, but they have moved on. Uh, we won't see them again this year. Their girls beat our girls twice, and our girls are pretty decent. So uh, that was story number three. I thought story number four for the year of 2021, and I entitled it uh, Inaugural Sports because Huntington started girls soccer and volleyball in the fall, and I went to several of each one of those games, went to a few volleyball games, went to two or three soccer games, and I have trouble understanding the game of soccer a little bit. I'm starting to learn a little bit. Uh, it's hard to photograph, which is part of the reason that I was there because, you know, a lot of the action is uh, repetitive. But, you know, that's just part of it. Uh, I did get some good shots, and uh, – was there for senior night. They asked me to come for senior night and all that kind of stuff, but they only had like one or two seniors. Uh, and they had a pretty decent soccer team. Uh, went, won their first round region game. Uh, lost uh, to Adamsville, I think, in the second round of the region. Uh, Adamsville went on to, uh, to state. So, you know, it's a quality loss when you don't look at it that way, but that was the inaugural season. Uh, Lindsey Barnett was the coach of that team. Had a good year. So, you know, you got to look at it from that aspect. Uh, pretty entertaining uh, first year. And then volleyball uh, finished third in their district. And, you know, it, again, there was not any seniors, I don't believe, on that team. If there was, there was only one. And they'll, they'll, they'll be good again next year. So they're just kind of learning the ropes, too, when you think about it. Kind of uh, learning how to play the game of soccer and all that. I mean, the volleyball and soccer and all that good stuff. So, now, that was exciting to watch. And I, hey, you know, I commend Huntington for offering these sports to different kids. And, you know, there's there's always never been enough sports to go around for 
um, all the kids that are competing. Because, you know, some all kids want to do something. You know, not all can play basketball. Not all can play football or baseball or softball. And now they're being offered a chance to play soccer. Uh, they're being offered the chance to play volleyball. And, of course, the band's an important thing. There's cheerleading. Uh, so there's lots. There's multiple opportunities uh, for kids to get involved in something, cross-country, track and field. All those things are now taking place at Huntington, and, and I wanted to mention that because I thought it was important that they got that off uh, the ground this year, and I think boys' soccer will be this spring, uh, so they'll be competing this spring. I'm not, I don't think, and I have to go back and look, if they had uh, uh, boys' volleyball on schedule. I don't I, I'm don't think so. But anyway, uh, that was a good first year uh, for those teams. And I thought that was a big story for Carroll County that Huntington started that this past year. And my fifth story of the year, as I listed the top five, and I, and I got to thinking about this. And when, when you look at it, the Huntington Mustang football team, but when you look at it on the surface, nine and three record, hey, is that worthy of being one of the top five stories uh, in Carroll County uh, for 2021? Well, see, I looked at it different because I mentioned on several podcasts before the season started back in August, uh, I had to do a story on Huntington, the preseason uh, story that comes out in the magazine and the newsletter each week or each year, a football magazine, football section, and my part of the responsibility for that was to have an interview with uh, Coach Swenson, get a quote from him. So I called him up, and we talked for a long time. Uh, coach Swenson, I just I just love him to death. You can't help but not like him as a person and as a coach. Uh, you know, but as conversation went, he said, you know, with our schedule, we might win five games. We might win six. You know, it's going to be hard to win any more than that because of how difficult the schedule was. But as I mentioned a few minutes ago, they went nine and three, nine and three in what should have been a rebuilding year and what was uh, billed as one of the toughest uh, schedules in the state of Tennessee. But here's what the Mustangs did. They went nine and three. Two of those losses were to Martin Westview, who won the Class 2A state championship. The, one of the other losses was to McKenzie, who played for a state championship in Class 1A. The third loss came in the second round of the playoffs to Moz, 8-7, who lost to Westview the next week to send Westview to the semifinals. So you think about those three losses. They came to two teams that played for a title and one team that lost to the team that won the title. Pretty good, if you ask me. Uh, but the expectations were for them not to do that well. But they finished second in the region, second round of playoffs, and in what was a rebuilding year. So that's, you know, that's pretty good. And uh, I'm excited about what 2022 is going to bring as far as sports goes. And we'll transition into some of that here in just a minute. But when you start looking at uh, what possibly could happen in 2022, as I mentioned, uh, McKenzie's going to make another run for a state title. 
or for a state title. They're going to make another run uh, to Chattanooga in this case. I really believe that because they're that good of a football team with the people they've got coming back. Uh, that could very well be one of the top stories for 2022. I think it remains to be seen what kind of football team Huntington will have. Uh, you know, a lot of that's going to depend on uh, some younger kids stepping up. Uh, they've got some quality players coming back, but they lost uh, some real good players uh, to graduation uh, this past season. McKenzie girls basketball, that could be a story for 2022. Uh, they're off to a good start. And the only game I think they've lost all year was to Gibson County, who might be the best team in the state in Class 2A. And that's who uh, Hayden will have to try to knock off or try to compete against uh, Gibson County, Westview, um, let's see, uh, Union City, uh, I'd forget, and I forget who everybody else is, but Milan, that's right, Milan's the other one. And so that's going to be, uh, you're going to have to knock some of those off to have this kind of success in basketball that you've had the last few years. But McKenzie's in a real easy district. Uh, so we'll see how they do against uh, some of those teams in Class A. I know like Summertown, for example, who, who's dominated in, in 1A for the last several years, has moved up to 2A. So that won't be a problem. Uh, for McKenzie. So McKenzie, Lady Rebels could be in a position to be one of the top stories for 2022. And of course, there's a lot of other things that could happen. You know, baseball is just starting around the corner. Uh, it was a good year last year for Huntington baseball. And they lost in the first round of the region last year to Summertown. And it was, it was a fairly close game. And after having a year off from, from that, uh, Mustangs, uh, you know, they've got some talent coming back. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do. McKenzie Rebels baseball team, I think, will be very good uh, next year. And, of course, we mentioned a while ago, West Carroll basketball. That could very well be a story for 2022 or 20, yes, 2022 next year when we have our podcast about this time to talk about that. So a lot of exciting things ahead. Uh, but let's first, let's recap. Uh, going back to bowl season. And that's why we entitled part of this podcast as a slice of orange because Tennessee played in a bowl game uh, this past Thursday in Nashville, Tennessee in the Music City Bowl. They lost 45 to 38 in overtime. I did not get to see that game because I was actually sitting at the scorer's table while a basketball game was going on, actually, I sat there through two basketball games while Tennessee's playing, and actually the game lasted like five hours when you start counting the overtime and all that kind of stuff. So it, it actually extended past my duties. Uh, but I was doing a PA for three basketball games uh, starting on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And then I had to stay for uh, award ceremonies, and Huntington was playing uh, the night sessions. Uh, so I was there for most of the day, all three days. Uh, but I, saw, I had my phone in front of me. I didn't get to see it, but I had my phone in front of me, keeping it up, keeping up with it, and watching the basketball game at the same time and performing my PA duties, which is difficult. But I'm I'm a multitasker, so I can do that kind of stuff. And uh, you should have seen me when I used to do radio. You'd be amazed. But we won't talk about that. But I was keeping up with the game and even wouldn't announce the score every now and then. And it looked like an exciting game. And I know I was sitting in the stands by the time they got to overtime. 
And I did see on my phone where Tennessee got the ball first in overtime, had the ball fourth and one at the one, and they went for it. And I noticed on my phone they didn't make it. And then Purdue kicks a field goal in their half of the overtime uh, to win the game. Uh, and I said 45 to 38. That wouldn't have been correct. Uh, but it was uh, – but anyway, they lost – Tennessee lost by three. Uh, but the field goal uh, made the difference. 48-45, that's what it was. Okay, now I got it right. I got it in my mind now. I just had, I had to stop thinking a minute. But – uh, they lost, but what I did not know, unbeknownst to me, as they would say, that when Tennessee went forward on fourth and one, all over social media when I got home that night, Tennessee got robbed. Well, I've seen the video. I've heard the referees' discussions. And when I looked at the tape uh, or the play, if you look at it in slow motion, the referee said that his forward progress was stopped before he reached out, and that was uh, Jalen Wright at running back. Reached out, he actually fell. He was hit, fell on a Purdue player, so he never touched the ground. Reached out, stuck a ball over the goal line. Referee said his forward progress was stopped before he reached out. A lot of people said, "Well, the whistle didn't blow. It doesn't matter when the whistle blows." The referee can't blow the whistle at the, you know, he blew it. And by the time uh, he blew it, the play was done over, but he had called forward progress stop. You can see that if you look at it in slow motion. But if you look at it in real time, his forward progress was not stopped. It might have been impeded a little bit, but he was still moving forward. Yes, I agree with all the pundits and all the people that it's on social media that that was a touchdown. That was a touchdown. But, you know, when you really think about it, we can't change it to start with. We can't go back and put it the way it's supposed to be. Uh, we're not going to play that game over. Tennessee lost. Uh, you know, you can you can cry till the cows come home, as they say. But it's still going to be a Tennessee loss. But I will tell you this. It doesn't matter because... And you'll hear me be the first one to say this because I'm a diehard Tennessee fan. I'm not a fair-weather Tennessee fan. I don't stop rooting for them if they're 2-12 and 12 or if they're 2-10 and 10 or if they're 1-11 or whatever the case may be. If they have a losing record, I'm still going to wear my orange. I'm still going to root for Tennessee. And I haven't been able to say this for about the last five years because we've gone through some terrible coaches. We've gone through some terrible situations. We've gone through some terrible records at the University of Tennessee, if you're a Tennessee fan. It's not been fun to be a Tennessee fan for the last several years because of the way the football has gone. But I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to be the first one to say it. No, I probably won't be the first one to say it, but I'm going to say it here on this podcast. Because So if you've never heard it before, you're going to hear it for the first time. Tennessee is back. They are back, Jack, because of Josh Hopple. Tennessee needs to get more players. Yes, they gave up 600 yards of offense to Purdue. They had almost, they had that many themselves. You know, it was like 1,200 yards between the two teams. So Tennessee's got some work to do defensively. Uh, the way I understand it, from what everybody talked, the tackling was terrible. 
But Tennessee can score points. They set a school record for points scored uh, this season. That says a lot about the kind of uh, coach that Josh Heupel is. He's only been there one year, and look what he has done. Seven and six, I know. Butch Jones, I mean, uh, Butch Jones did that in his first couple of years. Went, you know, one year he won eight, nine games or ten, whatever it was, and then it all fell apart because it's going to catch up with him because he was a terrible coach. Jeremy Pruitt won eight games his first year, and everybody was, oh, he's the best thing in the world. And he goes three and seven during the COVID year, so out he goes. And but so you're thinking, how is this going to be different? How is Josh Heupel? Yeah, he won seven and six, but is he going to go six and five next year, or is he going to go four and seven next year like the two previous coaches ahead of him uh, did, fall flat on the face? No, I don't think so because this man, here's what he's done. First of all, like I said, they scored more points than anybody in the history of Tennessee football in a season. That's a positive. But here's what he has done that the – Three previous coaches were not able to do, or the four, really. You count Lane Kiffin. He was only there for a year. But when you talk about Lane Kiffin, Derek Dooley, uh, Butch Jones, Jeremy Pruitt, last four coaches. What Josh Hopple has done, he has changed the culture. He's made it fun to play football once again at Tennessee. He's made it to where kids come in and they don't have to be the five-star. Five stars don't always work out. That's a recruiting rating. But this man has put Tennessee football back on the map. And with Hendon Hooker coming back next year, uh, Cedric Tillman coming back, some of the recruits they have coming in, Tennessee, and I read this story the other day, Tennessee is going to be a dangerous football team next year because, and this is what a coach has got to do, he's got the players believing in him. He's got the players knowing and trusting him. And that's important, folks. You do know how important that is. If you've ever played uh, college athletics or if you've ever played high school athletics, if you've ever played youth athletics, if you've ever played a sport, you've got to trust the coach. Uh, and I'm not going to brag on myself because – it's, I know it's going to sound that way, but it's not true. I can remember uh, when I coached Little League, when I coached with Tony Tucker, one of the best Little League coaches I've ever been around in my life. And then I coached a couple of years after Tony left. And one of my former players, several years later, I mean like 15 years later, messaged me on Facebook and said, you know, Coach, uh, I can't tell you uh, how many games we won when I was a 12-year-old, but I can remember the lessons I learned. And that's what a coach wants to hear. That's what, you know, I I used to hear Coach Pritchard talk about that. And Coach Ward was the same way. Those guys knew how to treat human beings. And that's what Josh Heupel does. He has changed the culture at Tennessee. Look out next year, folks. Because Tennessee will make some noise. I believe that. And no, it's not going to be like the past. They're not going to fall flat on their face like um, Butch Jones did or Derek Dooley or uh, Jeremy Pruitt. It's not going to happen. Lane Kiffin wasn't there long enough to fall flat on his face. If Lane Kiffin had stayed, uh, you know, Kiffin's a pretty good coach. 
<laughs> Sometimes you can't, you, you don't like him. Uh, sometimes he can be a little uh, arrogant, maybe if you want to use that term. But he knows how to coach football. Uh, look at what he's done at Ole Miss. But he's not there. He only stayed a year. But Josh Heupel, and I was like everybody else. Uh, Mike White came in, and he was the coach at Central, or he was the AD at, 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 in Florida when uh, Josh Heupel was there. And – Okay, he's just bringing his old coach, but I tell you what, it, it's it, it's it's Philip Fulmer, I believe, all over again. Tennessee's got better days ahead, and, and I'm excited about that. Hey, that's gonna do it for me this week. I got on a little rant there, and I actually kind of meant to talk a little basketball, but we'll do that next week because I want to address the situation. So you want to look forward to the podcast next week. We're gonna talk about officiating, and we're gonna talk about fan behavior so that gives you something to look forward to so uh tune in next week check out the beating around the bush podcast and until then we'll see you later